Hi, my name is Tom Franks, the author of Little Lamb, and this is the very first page of the novel. November 2019. Staring into the shadows, he sighed and gently closed his car door. The woodland in front of him was pitch black, uninviting, and a feeling of unease was growing in the pit of his stomach. It was raining heavily, the cold air clinging to him in an icy embrace. The road adjacent to the woodland was empty and lonely. The only sound was the hammering of torrential rain on the tarmac. He slowly and cautiously walked around his vehicle and took his first step into the woodland. The ground was soft, thick with the decaying bodies of dead leaves, and the precipitation had made the footing treacherous and unsteady. He took a second step, a third, a hesitant fourth, and stopped. He stood stationary for a moment and felt the darkness envelope him, the fear so tangible he could taste it. This was it. This was the moment he had wanted for a long time, the moment he had forfeited so much for, and the apprehension was crippling. This, this, this is the Crime Board, Crime Board Podcast. You're listening, You're listening to the Crime Board Podcast. This is the Crime Board Podcast with Sam West. So yeah, big welcome to everyone listening. If you haven't already guessed, that was our lovely guest for tonight, Tom Franks. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, just very tired. How are you? <laughs> Equally tired, yeah. I think that's the theme <laughs> of this year so far. <laughs> More days off. That's what we need. More days off. Yeah, we do. But then I don't know about you, but I feel guilty on off days. I feel like I'm not being productive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I battle with that all the time. I try, I'm trying to get better at it and understand that having some time for myself is allowed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's necessary. Um, not only allowed, but you have to do it because otherwise at some point you're going to find yourself face down. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. that's been me a couple of times already this year. And I'm just like, I want to slow down, but I feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to make sure you have some time for yourself. I'm I'm doing it next weekend to meet me, me, the wife, and the dog off up to uh, up into the mountains for a couple of days to stay in a cabin, hot tub, just to completely switch off, get off the grid. Nice. Yeah, right. I, I <laughs> bet I bet Molly's gonna love that. <laughs> oh, she's gonna love it. Yeah, well, she can be a little awkward when she's out of her uh, regular territory. Yeah, <laughs> she's quite a, a strange dog in that respect. So we just have to sort of mother her a little bit to keep her calm. So. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. My boys are the same. Although I went away a week ago um, for Easter and they absolutely loved it. I think they enjoyed it more than me because they completely tired me out. (laughs) (laughs) But then I came home and I was like, yeah, that wasn't much of a holiday at all because they were very busy. (laughs) (laughs) It was their holiday, not yours. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely loved it. They were completely passed out by eight in the evenings and I'm sitting there like, great, what now? (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah, that, that's dogs for you, <laughs> but we love <Nah>. them. <laughs> yeah, oh, without a doubt. So speaking of uh, downtime as an author, is there anything specific you do to sort of unwind either between writing projects or after? Uh, yeah, I tend to, like normally whenever I'm sort of building up to like a book release, doing the marketing and things like that, especially as an independent author can get quite overwhelming. Um, so that the next weekend that I'm going away sort of ties in a few things for me. Um just to have some time to unwind a little bit right before the book's out. Um, this is my second book. Um, and I, I did the same thing when Little Man was released. We just went for a weekend away uh, just to switch off. I, tr- I try and be quite conscious of the fact that my mind 
um, needs it. Um, and just any outdoor time really as well, especially if I hit moments of, you know, writer's block, which all of us writers know so well. Um, you know, there's been times when I've been like in a great flow with writing and I move on to the next chapter and I hit a wall for some reason and I'm tearing pages out, throwing them away. And I'll just take a step away from the desk and I'll go for a walk, get outside. Um, that, that tends to help quite yeah. a lot. Yeah, kind of, kind of resets you, doesn't it? I mean, maybe not all the time, but I think because I've been having a real struggle the past week um, with just finishing this draft because I'm I'm so close to being done, but for some reason, because it's the final stretch, my brain does not want to work. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, I have the exact same issue because uh, I'm my current work in progress, my third novel. Um, exactly the same thing. I, I got towards the end of it back in November last year, and I just hit this wall. Um, and no matter what I did, I just couldn't, I couldn't really break through it. So I just, I stopped for a while and I'm back, uh, back. Basically, I started reading it from the very beginning all the way through to where I am now so I can get the feel back of it and I can improve some of the bits where I could start to feel my the quality of my writing tapering off because mm. I just wasn't, my brain yeah. was just functioning the way I want it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, oh gosh. And I, that's so relatable because I had to write, well, I've kind of uh, like pinned down a couple scenes that I need to do to get to the end, and I the one of them that I had on today's sort of like schedule in the in the notebook was just something simple like describing the inside of a house, and my brain was like, no. Yeah. I I think it's the simple descriptions though that can become become most difficult sometimes because you know you you kind of want to try and make these simple things sound interesting uh, oh. and sometimes when you hit a wall it's so hard to describe a living room and make it yeah. exciting you know like yeah. or interesting to read it's it, it is a challenge yeah it really is and i don't even think it's it's writer's block necessarily i think it's just burnout and then pair that with the pressure of actually knowing that you're in the final stretch and you just kind of cannot get a word out at all. Oh, definitely. Well, especially when you're on that final stretch, you've already written so many more interesting things. You know, when you're writing yeah. crime fiction <laughs> and thrillers, you, you know, you, you, you become quite inventive with storylines and it's all exciting to write. And then when you get to a point where you actually have to do yeah. murder scene setting chapters, character development, which are actually quite normal things, you have to battle with how to make something that naturally is quite mundane interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and exactly and i'll say it again crime and thrillers they're very difficult to write i mean yeah yeah that's it is it's, it's, it's trying to get that balance as well because uh, you know people you know thriller and crime readers they want you know the first thing they want is something gripping and exciting um but then you also get the flip side of it is that people want the realism in between they want to start to fall in love with the characters and you can't do that without backstory scene setting you know, showing other aspects of, um, of of the life within the book, so to speak, rather than just the crime and excitement, twists, turns, etc. You have to show the human side of your characters too. Even even the antagonists, you know, you've got to try and have that confliction in there for, for the reader, and it's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, these are essentially, unless you're writing some weird like sci-fi crossover, uh, these are human hey. characters and they have lives and, and feelings and emotions. And obviously, I think exploring that in crime is important, at least to me. Um, I don't yeah. know if you feel that way. Yeah, oh, I really do. Yeah, and I, I feel sometimes I, sometimes I think I get a little too emotionally invested in those moments as well. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, you know, in, in my, my second novel, which comes out beginning of May, Mantis, uh, there's a couple of chapters, uh, like throwback chapters, which are written from the perspective of a scared little girl. 
Um, and you know, I don't have to. I should. I don't really have to be too. I've I've never been a scared little girl. So to put myself into that headspace, um, what what I actually did was it was a lot of research to find um, children who had been through some traumatic experiences and articulated it themselves. Um, and right, I read yeah. read some articles like that, and then put myself into the headspace as best I could you know, using my own experiences of fear or whatever that I've had in my life, uh, just to get this part as sort of almost horrific and as emotional as what the little girl would be feeling in real life. And wow, like I, I, when I finished the chapter, just the first draft, I just had to get away from my desk for a minute because I got too so invested in trying to make it accurate that it had a pretty uh, pretty bad effect on me, actually, mentally. I just felt drained afterwards. Um, so yeah, oh. Well, if someone tells me that they think thriller writing's easy, I, I challenge them to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you and I, you and I spoke about this last time as well. Uh, not on the podcast, obviously, but um, we spoke about how, yeah, as much as we write really dark things, and I know a number of us do, um, we do that. And, and again, that's been like a recurring theme so far. As everyone that I've spoken to has, they, they sort of—I don't want to say enjoy writing darker things, but it again comes with the genre. Um, but then also just to remind people that it's at the end of the day, as much as we do do research, we put a lot of work into it, it still is fiction. However, some of these things really do happen. And I think it's about sometimes diving into that and bringing yeah. awareness to certain situations, but also trying to understand why they happen. Yeah, it is, I think it makes it, it makes it, if anything, more realistic because these books that you read where you know, it could, it could be a little basic sometimes where, you know, it's happy life, everything's perfect, and then something really drastic happens. Um, you know, the, 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 that's it's relatively accurate, the, the drastic part of it. You know, it's it's life isn't always smooth and comfortable and, you know, sunshine and rainbows kind of thing. Like, we all have bad things happen to us. Um, it's just on a scale, isn't it? You know, some of the bad things that happen to, this, to us are really, really small and quite trivial, whereas some people are unfortunate enough to actually go through the types of things that we create with our fiction um if anything i think real life is a little more screwed up than what the fiction is i really like the more i you know when i watch true crime documentaries uh jeffrey Dahmer's the first one that comes to mind like because because the things he did it's so screwed up like I, and you think well i don't think i could even come up with something that screwed up you know <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um and also just you know watching the news or having news beats and stuff come up on on social media online and stuff like that you really sometimes question you know what is going on in the world like how does someone get to that point what happened in their life to push them yeah. over the edge and it's it's crazy but answering those questions is how you can write a great story as well very true <laughs> you know like it, it sort of gives you that immediate backstory to create an antagonist if you can start to you know think about what made that person what they are um yeah in, in a strange way that's what can humanize your antagonists as well and create those conflicting yeah. emotions when you know what they went through as a child which potentially molded them into the you know the bad person so to speak mm -hmm. uh yeah. when they got older so it's yeah it's a very interesting balance to you know <laughs> you immerse yourself in the in these like moments of i don't know how to really describe just different information um uh, different characters and you learn a lot as well but it can be very draining yeah. We first meet your lovely DS, Scott Harris, in chapter one. 
going about his his morning routine and you know everything feels familiar and uh, relatable <laughs> um but we very quickly learn that what he's up against as the novel progresses begins to push him further from the life he's used to where okay. did this begin for you and why did you decide that this was the moment we meet him in his journey um i wanted him to be i wanted to sort of outline his character quite quickly um because of the style of you know the, the the prologue is further ahead in the book and then i take you back to the beginning um yeah. i think when you when you use that as a hook that sort of uh in the future prologue so to speak you have to make sure that you get the backstory there and show a different side to the character um you know in the prologue he's already the part of the hero you can sort of feel that that he's searching for somebody he wants to help he's you know going against uh you know every a lot of the rules and things oh. like that because he wants to help so badly <laughs> yeah. which makes him sound kind of amazing doesn't it well i mean i i completely get that it's like he loses himself in in actually trying to do good but that doesn't always turn his way yeah well it, that, that's that's exactly what i wanted to kind of show in his real life like despite all the success he's had as a detective you know national cases things like that it it had a really detrimental effect on his actual on his personal life because he was so absorbed in his work so and you sort of see that immediately when he's at home you know he lives in a you know a nice house but he's alone um and it's again creating those moments of contrast like things don't make people happy you know um and unfortunately for him so, so much you know it, he puts so much into his work and his job that he just becomes kind of lonely and bitter but the, the, but, his, the but the good heart is still there that detective who just wants to help and I think, I think, as as I said to you before as well, I think that's what I really love about him. He's not, I don't want to say not your typical, well, yeah, in, in a way, he's not your typical stone cold sort of hard detective who doesn't give a crap, but he's actually, you know, he just wants to get the job done. He actually cares. And I know, I know there aren't, you know, a lot of uh, novels like that, but specifically with him, he really honestly wants to get to the bottom of things. Yeah. And in doing so, will sort of sacrifice things in his own life in order to get there and then when when things don't work out i think that's such a hit for the audience as well especially if you're cheering him on because you desperately want him to do what he wants to do but life gets in the way and, and i mean that's a reflection of life isn't it yeah it, it, and it truly is um and it's also you know some of the bureaucracy that you get within being a, a detective or in the police force too that it's, it's not just a case of you investigate, you solve the crime and save the day. A lot of the time, if it takes too long, you can't have the money and resources going into it. And that's one of the harsh realities of of the police system is if you can't get any leads or anything that in a crime early, then you have to stop. Um, and I can't imagine that's particularly easy for a lot of detectives. If, you know, if their reason for being in the force is just truly wanting to help and make a difference in those moments that must be really tough for them when they get told no we're pulling all the resources now um we're going to put you on another case there's no closure there for that person um and i kind of wanted to show that in scott's character quite a lot that he hasn't experienced this a lot in his career he's been very successful um and all of a sudden there's this case that he it, that's what leads to the obsession it's something that he hasn't had to be challenged with before um and it just in you know sort of trickles into every part of his life yeah and and slowly begins to to unravel. Yeah, for me that was really interesting because I I feel like I don't see a lot of stories like that where 
yes, we've we've done the whole psychological, like exploring the psychological aspects. Like, I don't know if you've seen Martella, but that really digs into, you know, what's going on in her mind as a detective, but also as a person who's struggling okay. with all sorts of things. We've done that. You know, there are quite a few things like that. And we've done the whole detective on the straight and narrow. We've done detectives who completely go off, off the path. But with yeah. him, I just, I feel he's so emotionally complex because you kind of, you think you know what you're getting with him, but then as the story begins to unfold, we kind of go down that road with him and explore those emotions with him. Um, and for me, that that's always hooked me as a reader, um, equally as as an audience member watching shows, TV shows, um, which, yeah, I think you've done a really brilliant job at, at uh, you know, really allowing him to unravel, but not completely having him lose his head in the process. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. That was... Um the aim I was going for as well. It's just to sh- show him as a flawed character, but at, at the same time as a good guy, um, you know, who, who's just desperate to not not only do the right thing, but, you know, within this particular story, it's basically making up for his own cynicism, which leads to a mistake. You know, it, it gives a little hint into how disillusioned he's become with his career because that same level of success that he had before is no longer there. Um yeah, without without spoiling too much, obviously. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How important was it for you to have him sort of play off other characters and have them influence his storyline and what he's going through? Yeah, I, I wanted to show his personality to sort of in depth. You know, you, you get the you know it seems kind of stereotypical sometimes, just like you know grumpy detective. But his reasons for it are so different. You know, a lot of the time it's a case of uh, things you've seen and done it's for him it's just the fact that his jobs become boring for the first time in his career he's had all these you know great successes it's been very colorful you know these plaudits and then now it's just a bit stale you know he's working on small cases like theft and things like that um and and you get to see that within some of these exchanges with this with with, with the characters um you know dc lock who's like a young very enthusiastic detective and is desperate to learn yeah, he's just kind of sweet, desperate to learn from this mentor. Got's in no position to be a mentor at that point because he just kind of hates his job. Um, uh, you know, and then the same thing with with how he reacts towards um, the, you know the victim and the antagonist and things like that. It's, it shows different aspects to his personality. It shows that caring side, the aggressive side, uh, the vulnerable side. It's just trying to make him quite well rounded, more than just being a damaged cop. You know. What did the very first draft of Little Lamb look like, and why did you choose that as a title? Uh, so the very, very first, it was actually a short story that I wrote for my GCSEs when I was 16. Uh, so that was the first, uh, the bones of it were created then, so to speak. Um, the first draft it is completely handwritten in, in, a, in a couple of uh, lined notepads. Just It's chaos. Like, I, like If I was to show this to anyone who isn't a writer... They would not understand how I can understand it. It's full of, you know, random notes, scribbles, uh, crossings out, pages torn out randomly where I was <laughs> mad. Like, it's it, it's it's quite fun to look back at it sometimes um, to see all the notes and planning and how it <laughs> developed. But yeah, it's it's basically just my jumbled mind on paper, really. <laughs> <laughs> and was the story was the story different to what it is now? Uh, so basically, what I, the the short story that I wrote was uh, basically be- became the prologue. Now, 
Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Okay. So yeah, um, it was a sort of similar premise. Um, you know, he's walking through the woodland, searching uh, for something or someone, um, and it comes to a bit of like a yeah exciting climax just within the short story itself. But I, I pulled out the the climax part obviously in the prologue um, and had it just as a mm. teaser for the rest of the book. Yeah, well, that's really cool. You're actually the third person who said to me that they they started their what is their now debut novel uh, in their GCSE years. <laughs> oh, cool! I'm glad that other people are following up on it because it's so difficult. Because you know, you, you choose you choose to do creative writing uh, when you're doing oh, yeah. coursework and things because you love to read, because you love to write, and then you leave school and go, you go you know leave college and whatever and life gets in the way and you put the ways of passion to the side. So it's cool to know that other people have continued as well. I think what's really cool for me is is knowing that we're kind of all the same in a way. We've all sort of started writing at school or exploring that at school. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing I've done now has uh, like started at school because I, yeah, <laughs> my my school uh, essays and stuff were awful. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> But yeah, I feel like we all sort of start there in a way, and we're all sort of inspired by one thing, and that kind of bleeds into our our, our schoolwork as well. Yeah, no, it really does. For me, it was just a couple of a couple of books that just uh, it sort of ignited uh, a, a love of literature for me and made me want to write my own. Um, hmm. So, what inspired uh, Little Lamb then? Um, was there? one specific thing back then or a number of things the first thriller that i read which sort of made me want to write my own was a kiss the girls by james patterson just so uh did i delightfully screwed up uh it was f- sort of uh foray into that world and uh, I, I after that i then discovered that my my mum actually read uh like crime fiction by a british author called martina cole um these were books that I definitely shouldn't have been reading at twelve, but I was—I used to like sneak them off of our bookshelves and read them and hide them. Up. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- th- those are the ones that sort of. The more I read them, these sort of the Martina Cole ones, especially like these gritty, uh, like London gangster uh, novels, um, where it, it just like ignited something in me, and I don't really know what it was. Like it, it could be a, I don't know, kind of morbid to be honest, because there were moments where somebody in the book's getting their eyelids stapled shut. And it's like, a lot of people can't read that without their stomach churning. For me, it's just like, wow, that's uh, that's different. And I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. <how you> say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what can I do with that? <laughs> yeah. So, no, so those are the um, first, yeah, James Patterson and then some Martina Cole books were the first ones that really sort of triggered it for me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. I, I think that really makes sense. And I think... Um, Oh, gosh, but I mean, if you look at his style of writing as well, um, yeah, I do feel like there are instances where where people are like, "What is going on?" I don't want to read that. But I think for writers, especially in this genre, I think it's it's almost an invitation. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's, and it's like you say, these things actually happen. Um, and, if, and if you read any true yeah. crime, <laughs> worse things actually happen. So it's yeah, it's not quite as out there as what people think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is true. But I think yeah, reminding people that we're not, you know sitting there thinking that it's a whole lot of fun i mean it is fun but yeah obviously we're aware that okay it is really bad but it's fiction yeah exactly <laughs> so. yeah and you need that you need that balance anyway in fiction i i, I truly believe that the the readers for like uh, thriller and crime fiction are some of the most passionate readers out there as well um and it's that's what shows you why we need a genre like this people need to read about 
these types of things it's it's you know there's so many people that love it so that that in itself is a reason to write yeah yeah definitely and it's a really good genre i think as well um it's difficult it's very difficult to write but i think once you've you've managed to do it it's it's quite rewarding so what was your um process like uh between initially drafting the first uh, manuscript to publishing. So my, my process is exactly the same with every book I write. I handwrite everything. So I'll sit and I'll oh wow I'll write out you know, a very old school sort of style in the fact that I'll sit down and I'll I'll plan out you know beginning middle end kind of thing. I'll have the basic plot and then I'll uh, map out all the characters, names, backstories, relationships with other characters. Um, you know, sub storylines, subplots, things like that. I'll map all of that out first and then I'll break it down into like a chapter by chapter structure. So I have a rough idea of what I'm going to write in each chapter. It never, ever sticks to what I've originally planned. I, and you know, <laughs> develops yeah. as you go. Um, but what I always do is I write, I draft the chapter with pen and paper and then I will type it up like right afterwards and I improve and embellish on things like that. So it's almost in, in a way like an editing process as I go. And then when I get, uh, you know, maybe 10 chapters that are typed up, I'll go back over them again and improve, embellish, you know, make to, to sort of tie it up a little bit. And then when the book's actually finished, the first draft typed up, I'll go through the entire thing again. You almost end up becoming tired with your own story. Yeah, yeah, very releasable. <laughs> I'm currently in that boat. Yeah, you, just, you, 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 you think of the idea, you create it, you write it, and then you're reading it, you're reading it, you're reading it over and over and over. Oh, and it's... yeah. You're like, man, I'd love this, but I want to read something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or work on something else at least. Yeah, it's just, it can be, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's very mentally draining to try yeah. and stay focused. Because yeah. how many people, you know, how many people actually sit out there and read, you know, pick up a novel, read it, finish it, read it again, finish it, read it a third time. Nobody does that other than writers carefully yeah. criticizing their own work. True. I guess unless it's a classic. Like, I mean, I've read To Kill a Mockingbird 20 times and like, I can still go back oh, to it. Oh, me too. That's one of my, <laughs> one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, one same. of my all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah. Or Sherlock, uh, uh, The Hounds of Basketball, I think that was one that you and I spoke yeah. about last time. It was brilliant. Yeah, I've got a beautiful tiny copy of it, a, a book that's no big, four inches high with gold pages. It's gorgeous. But yeah, that, but even then, like, even with, the, even with some of my favorites, I would never read them three times in a row. Um, oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. You know, that's, well, that's what we do with our own books. Because you have to, because like, a lot of the time as well, I find it when I'm editing and I'm sat there reading and I'm like, I've seen this so many times, I've just skim read that whole paragraph yep. and I don't yep. know mistakes. Yep. Now I have to go back, start again. So it's like, it's genuinely not like a lie when you say that no. by the time you actually publish your book, you've read it more than anyone else ever will. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of just don't want to look at it again. <laughs> No, no, uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, since, since little, I haven't read Little Lamb once since it was released. I've read snippets and things like that, but it's like, I've seen this book so many times, <laughs> I know it inside out. Yeah. <laughs> I've literally, like, with a freebie one that I uh, published in January, I've only gone back to it for, like, bits of information that I need for continu continuity, and that's it. Like, otherwise, it's doing a certain yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's not about the ego, letting the book do its own thing, let it lead yep. you to places. Oh, oh, that happens all the time. I feel like characters as well, the, they just turn up and you have to follow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange how a character you create ends up controlling you, isn't it? It's really fascinating. Yeah, process. it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, or side characters deciding they want an entire series. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite quite inconvenient, but I mean, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, just let it go. Let those creative juices flow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so do you have any advice then for um, any upcoming or aspiring authors? Oh, just, yeah, the, the first thing I would say to anybody, you know, because something I wish I had told myself when I was just a bit younger is just, if, if writing's a passion of yours, find the time to do it. Even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a novel, but just get out, write some ideas, scribbles, um, things like that. Just get it out on some paper. And when you do have time, you just, you know, you might be able to turn it into something incredible. The patience as well. Patience is a big part of the process when you're, when you're writing. It's, and, and I'm not a naturally patient person. So I, I kind of constantly battle with that. Uh, and I think that's sometimes where I, where that's when I'll hit walls because my natural impatience is coming to the fore. And I'm not finishing the book in the time I thought I would. So yeah, always just you know allow yourself that time. If you're starting to feel impatient, disillusioned, or or whatever when you're writing, allow yourself that time to just step away from the desk and give your mind a break, uh, and you'll come back and write something a lot better than if you just force it. Yeah, and it's never too late to start writing. I think well, that's a big thing. Definitely not. Okay, brilliant. Um, a final uh, quick cheeky question, maybe. Is there any possibility you could tell us a tiny bit about your upcoming book? Ooh, Mantis. Would you like to hear a snippet from Mantis? <gasps> yes, please. <laughs> Opening his eyes, Tony Simpson was immediately gripped by the icy clutches of sheer panic. The darkness he was greeted with was so barren, if he didn't know better, he would have thought he had gone blind. Where the hell am I? He thought to himself. His head was throbbing, a pain so acute it felt as if someone was chipping away at his skull with an ice pick. The pressure so great it made his eyes pulsate. Trying to get up from where he lay, his restraints became apparent, one around each ankle, each wrist, his waist and his chest, pinning him uncomfortably to a table of some description. His mind was hazy, he felt groggy and confused, but as the realisation of his situation dawned on him, his panic increased and he started to feel nauseous. Oh, why is he there? What's going on? What's happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's that's so interesting about prologues. Um, that's why they're so powerful, because they're able to, hopefully, if you've done a good job, which you, you absolutely have, uh, draw you in immediately and kind of leave you with questions. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Because if it's, if it's all a bit too obvious at the start, it's you know, you're giving the reader so much. What really is to keep them invested? So you you know it's it's, it's similar almost to being a detective while you're reading. You, you're trying to figure stuff out because you're only being drip fed parts of the story. So it's like piecing together clues, and that's what the prologue should do. It should be like it, it, should, it should almost be like the opening to an investigation. Something's happened, but why, who, when? And I think that's just the it's just the right way to do it. And I, you know, eventually it'll become like a little tropey because it's but it's the right approach because uh, yeah, but if it works, it works. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, they, you know, they have to fix something that isn't broken. Um, you know, a, a, a dull opening to a book can be catastrophic. That's, for me, if, if, I, if I read a prologue and it doesn't pull me in straight away, I, I'm just sort of, it's a struggle from there on in. I'm, I want to I wanna feel gripped immediately. Um, I don't mind it if it tapers off after that and gives me some backstory and character development, but I don't want yeah. the book to start with that. But, you know, exactly. it's just a preference, right? You have this one opportunity to grip this person who has picked up your book for the very first time this complete stranger why not use that yeah and th yeah exactly and, th and, th and that's the thing as well if you put a lot of effort into the prologue you you set the tone for your own book then um if you if your prologue is 
you know, you know, gripping, haunting, like is just immediately invests the reader in what you've written. You you set the tone, you set your own standard in that respect, and you can't really be lazy for the rest of the book. It has to match what you started with. This is that's probably the only the, another piece of advice I'd give is just make work on the prologue because it makes the rest of the book so much easier. Yeah, absolutely does. Well, Mantis will be out on the fifth of May, right? Yes, ebooks available for pre-order. Uh, the paperback is not available for pre-order because Amazon, for whatever reason, don't allow that for independent authors. So really strange. You just have to wait until a couple of days before your release date and then click publish because it can take like seventy-two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, I will share that as soon as it's out. Obviously, really keen to read that as well. So I'm going to jump on that. See, I wanted to buy the, the ebook, but I was like, if I can get the paperback, I mean, obviously it's been quite a challenge, like ordering books from overseas this side because of our postal service. Yeah. But if I can, I want to hold it in my hands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> I really agree. I, I, I really struggle with um, ebooks, like reading ebooks. It's just, again, again, I'm very old school in the, when it comes to a book. I like the feel and the smell of a new book. And it yeah. doesn't, you don't get that with an ebook. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a whole experience on its own. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, and also looking forward to Mantis as soon as that's out. Um, so yeah, be sure to to hop on to, to Amazon and Instagram. And where else can we find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Tom Frank's author on both Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on TikTok. I'm just I'm trying to learn how to use that. So. <laughs> <laughs> 